You are listening to You Heard It Here Second, episode 52. The podcast is produced every Monday night and airs every Tuesday morning. More information can be found on our website, derekandsteve.com. Uh, what color is the glass? What color what? The glass? What do you mean what color is the glass? The glass is glass. You know what? Forget it. Okay. okay. So many questions. I hate that. Derek and Steve present... I'm Derek, alongside Steve. Steve, just 49 more until we get to episode 100. 49 more till 100. The Q in Q-tips stands for quicker. Quicker tips? Quicker tips. (laughs) Alternative fact. Alternative fact. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. I hit the wrong thing. That's correct. It's fried chicken shell. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how the logistics work. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to try it. And I'm, I'm excited. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 52 of You Heard It Here Second. I am Derek alongside Steve. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, listeners. We are recording in the morning for the second time in our history. Um, this is a um, not a normal thing for us, is correct. recording in the morning, and I don't think it'll be a normal thing, it is, but yeah. now that it's our second time, I, I, I'm not as surprised by it. Right, neither am I. Um, both times there was one reason or another that we recorded in the morning i think both of them were due to sporting events that would make sense i think the last one might have been a celtics game that i was at and then combined with like you had something right after work or something i I wouldn't blame me for this well no it would be primarily that i was at the celtics (laughs) um and last night was also my fault i was at the bean pot uh, which we can just jump right into is our first section of the BC update. Uh, the only thing we really have here, uh, the last few episodes, we've had something to talk about with BC basketball, maybe BC football wrapping up a few weeks ago. Um, but tonight, I think we just have the BC update with the bean pot. So uh, as always happens in the first Monday, the first two Mondays of February, there is the bean pot in, in Boston, which is a very um, popular college hockey event gets usually some a decent amount of national attention on sports center and things like that just it's, because of its uniqueness it gets weirdly so like it gets a lot of attention i we i was flipping through the channels this morning and nesson obviously was playing it because right. new england sports network and then flipped to sports center and they had the highlights of yeah. it too like it's just a little mini hockey tournament it's, but but i think it's just because it's the only like it's just the the only like side tournament in college sports that gets noticed kind of that isn't like a major tournament that isn't a relevant major tournament yeah um, i mean that doesn't mean much for it doesn't it's in, the, it just in means, like the national uh spotlight yeah it means it's just regular season games and in fact i would actually have to check if it counts towards their hockey east record i actually don't think it does really because uh because you have to have a set number of hockey east games you know you for conference games and, and so i assume that a tournament where bc might play bu they might not you know they might play northeastern they might not wouldn't wouldn't count for their conference schedule so i would have to verify that i'm not sure but either way the the point is is it doesn't mean all that much uh it's really for pride it's for it's for it's got a lot of tradition as an event it's been going on for a long time and bc uh has beaten bu in six consecutive ones going into last night uh six consecutive beanpot matchups which is a lot for the bcbu you know matchup because that's a pretty competitive one both teams are are typically very good so Beating someone six times in a row is pretty impressive. Right, but going into this season, um, both BU and Harvard are ranked ahead of Boston College in the national stand national rankings. Uh, BC was somewhere around seven or eight going into this bean pot. Uh, Harvard was five, I believe, and BU was was one or two. So so BU uh, definitely a better team this year overall than BC, and they come away with a win last night in the bean pot, three to one. 
um, you know, I was there. You watched some of it on TV. Did, How was the atmosphere, Derek? The atmosphere was mediocre. Um, I would say the student chanting was was as good as it's always as it always is. That's um, good. Just outrageous chants back and forth. Um, you know, just and just, it's, just it's, nonstop. It's, it's it. great. So if you haven't been to the Bean Pot, it's it's the it's at the Garden. So it's a very big venue. Uh, it, it fills up really. There, yeah. I mean, there's there's very few empty spaces, and the only empty space is people who left the previous people game. who left the previous game or the bottom rows, like the more expensive yeah. seats, because the top ones are the student sections, and they face exactly across from each other. Yeah. So you're basically watching the opponent's student section the entire time, yeah. and you can hear them so clearly across the. Um, stadium and their bands playing at you and your band playing at them. It's it's a very intense yeah. sporting event for mm-hmm. hockey because you're facing literally directly across from the student section and you're just going at them the entire time. Yeah, and so and you know uh, the beginning of the game, BC was pretty lackluster. They didn't get a shot on goal till 18 minutes into the game. That was rough. Um, so so that was that was an issue. Um, but once they did get some pressure, it started to pick up a little bit. And obviously, the the number of chances picking up and things like that is what gets the crowd into the game more. Um, but so, <laughs> I, I do remember one particular fan chant interaction. I want to say was, I was going to ask. I want to ask your funny. best chant. What's so, the best chant? So I don't know. So this would be like my my best sequence of chant uh, <laughs> for like props to the BC student section for the way they countered each chant. Um, so kind of out of nowhere, um, BC hadn't really taken any gut shots at BU yet you know they always will there's always a few gut shots they chant safety school or, or something like that um but so they hadn't taken any real gut shots some at the intense BU some intense me- actual mean ones yeah okay. but so, and so BU dropped the first mean one BU started chanting bleep Matt Ryan really uh, from the other side yeah wow. so that was like okay this is getting aggressive um so BC fans countered by chanting BU football which oh is good, nice right? that's good and then the BU section countered that by chanting BC hockey uh, and so BC started also chanting BC hockey, <laughs> and so it, I felt like that was a good comeback to BC hockey because BC it was hockey. like, well, thank you, we'll yeah. also chant BC hockey. Um, so that was a pretty good encounter. There, there weren't any real new chants that I hadn't heard before. Um, there was, I guess, technically there was. Each side just had a bleep BU and bleep BC, <laughs> which was a little bit more aggressive, new, yeah. aggressive than I've seen in the past. I had not heard that um, before. Usually, like there's kids and stuff there, and the se- the student sections won't go there, but they both did. Cool. Um, so there was, uh, you know, those were pretty good, but um, nothing, nothing outlandish well, besides that. Their like fight song includes an an f bomb at BU BC. Does? Yeah. Oh really? It's I didn't know f that. Up, f them up. BC sucks. Oh, that, right, right. They're they're yeah, yeah. Not their, Not their fight, fight yeah, song. Yeah, they're like gold. They're yeah, yeah. Th- their go their go to anti BC chant. Like yeah. for years and years and years and years. Yeah, that's right. Just has an f bomb in it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and no and one's told them not yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah. So um. So that was good. We I got to hear BC's uh, gold chant at the goalie one time. Uh, which I haven't heard in years. Love that. that that's one of the best ones. Yeah, yeah, so that, that's a great chant. Um, anyway, so BC uh, loses, though, to BU. The, BC having a tough time scoring goals this year from what I've heard. Again, I haven't followed them much, but they only score once against BU. They did get plenty of chances after that terrible shot drought. I think they might have actually outshot BU um, in the game, but just can't get the puck in the net. Um, and so BC loses to BU for the first time in their last seven matchups and harvard beats northeastern in a four to three game so uh bu versus harvard is the final of the bean pot and i do not care about the bean pot this year anymore because we don't care about consolation games 
uh, as BC Beanpot fans. I don't really care if we beat Northeastern in the Constellation at this point. So uh, that'll be it for the Beanpot. Anything else on BC Update? Um, that's it for the BC Update. I mean, we can kind of touch on Recruitment Day. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. High school signing was, day, but there's there's nothing really huge for on on BC's side, um, except for that video. Steve Adazio made a ridiculous <laughs> recruiting video that almost would turn I would assume would turn people off. He basically puts on sunglasses and sprinkles like glitter and like stamps a piece of paper. It's just really weird. So uh, so I, I did. I did learn that there it was a it was about yeah it's based on it's a, a meme. meme yeah yeah but, but so it's it a, was a terrible it's first of all it's, it. it's a meme that not everyone's seen yeah and Steve Adazio is a weirdo <laughs> so you can't pull that off it's just a very poorly made video I don't know it was just bad so I'm hoping that doesn't affect our draft class <laughs> it might though but um, might. I think what from what I've heard I I follow BC on Twitter and they, they we filled at least a lot of I don't know if these people are good. But we've got a lot of um, new kids at positions that we need. Right. So like we've got a got a few offensive linemen that we that we need to kind of start subbing in. We've got um, some skilled position players. We've got a few wide receivers. Uh, we got a really good running back. We got a yeah, think, four, four star about, running back. Yeah, the four star. So we've got back. we've at least got the positions we need. Now they just need to pan out. Yep. Um, so we'll we'll see kind of how that goes, obviously. But um, that's the only news I have from, yeah. from signing day. Yeah, I think the I think there I, I read somewhere the recruiting class was ranked somewhere around sixty. I think in the na- in the nation, which is kind of what you expect, I guess, from BC. Uh, maybe a little you'd like to see a little higher, but also re- you know ranking the classes doesn't mean anything really. Matt Ryan, Luke Keekley, these guys weren't five star players either. They weren't even four star players. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't make too much of it. I, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think. The answers for you know, B- three star kids plenty of times develop for BC. Mike, e- Mike Evans was a three star. Was he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's tons of them. I I think Harold Landry was a three star yeah. too as well. You know, there's there's plenty of guys. Who cares? It doesn't matter yeah. what they are. You know, They're gen- high school generally kids. they got to be three. I think very rare. I think does one or two star pan out. But you got to meet that. Brent bar Grimes being, was a zero star. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, I I mean for the most part you do want to be bringing in three star kids, but you know. It's not the end of the world when you don't get when you're not landing fours and fives. So, it's all about how you develop these kids when they get in here, how you groom them, how you get your system set up. So that you it's know, I'm not making we, too much. It's good of it. thing we have an incredible system. Exactly, it's <laughs> it's great that we're just awesome at developing quarterbacks and turning them into great passers. Um, so so we'll see what happens there. Uh, we do have a bunch of quarterbacks. Uh, I will say that BC's got a lot of quarterbacks that for some reason keep coming here. Um, I think they landed an, uh, a pocket passing quarterback who like has some pr- has some potential, which it doesn't really make sense to me why someone would pick BC at this point uh, as a pocket passer um, with a couple of dual threats up ahead of them on the depth chart. But and considering how well we did with a dual threat less than three years yeah, ago, yeah, and how poorly the pocket passing attempt worked yep. um, with granted bad quarterbacks, but um, so so we'll see. But um, that's it for BC, I think, and. Uh, yeah, well, I guess we don't really have – we'll have more of an update on National Signing Day once these kids take the field in the fall, uh, which is plenty of plenty of ways away. So that does it for the first period for the BC update, which brings us into the second, which is sports. And for the most part, I think we have one sports topic today. Um, Just kind one. Of a big one uh, that happened over the weekend, which was the Super Bowl. So uh, Super Bowl 51 uh, on Sunday, we had predicted that this would be a great game, a close game. 
Um, it looked like we were not going to get that. It looked like this was going to be a terrible game as far as competitiveness goes. Uh, then turns into an instant instant classic. Um, what were your thoughts on Super Bowl? Oh, so we're just going to go straight up thoughts. Well, unless we, we can approach it differently. <laughs> um, let's start with thoughts. So my thoughts cool. were, I do think it was one of the greatest Super Bowls I've ever watched. Um, I, I don't really buy into like, oh my God, the greatest comeback of all time. Like there had never been a 10 point comeback in the Super Bowl. So yeah. obviously it's the greatest comeback yeah. in Super Bowl history. So it, there, there's still, I don't know, the... the I'm so I'm not a Pats fan, you know uh, that. Yes, yeah. I know that. Um, so and I'm a BC fan, so I wasn't rooting too hard against the Pats, and I wasn't hard, rooting too hard for Matt Ryan and the Falcons. But there probably is no more devastating way to lose a Super Bowl than, than how the Falcons I did, agree. which is really really unfortunate for a if you're a real Falcons fan, or if, if just you just for Matt Ryan, just for Matt yeah. Ryan, like and and the Pats have won. This is their fifth. Yes, I think it's pretty incredible. So um, it's it's tough to swallow for people on the other side uh, but as a Pats fan obviously you, you've, you've got to be going crazy like yeah. uh, people have left the stadium at oh that yeah point. Is Mark it, Wahlberg left, left did you the see that Super Bowl. Claims, yeah. claims he left because his kid was sick <laughs> which is complete crap do not believe yeah. that and that sucked for him because he's he's literally in the past probably six months been trying to solidify himself yeah. as the Boston person <laughs> yeah, I know. he's like made an effort to be the Boston yeah. celebrity. Yeah, and, and, he, it, and he leaves. It's kind of not a good look. It's a terrible look. Um, so uh, I think uh, that was one of the big topics, you know, yesterday uh, across the country on national media and everything is, and it's a very fair question with the way things transpired is, was this a bigger comeback or a bigger collapse? And it's, for me, it actually is pretty close. You know, as much as I want to just give all the credit to it being a comeback, it was both. I mean, it certainly was both. I still consider it more of a comeback because of how many things needed to go right, not just not just defensively, but offensively, needing two-point conversions, needing touchdowns. Um, so I still do cre- – I mean, really, you know, the, uh, yesterday I had I, taken yesterday off a long time ago because I didn't want to work the day after the Super Bowl. And so they were rerunning the game on TV, and I, and I just – I flipped it on. Sure. And, and I just happened to I, catch I, the well, Super no, Bowl. No, no, I, I did. I was told it was on, so I flipped it on. And, uh, you know, just watching – just looking at the scoreboard, I, I was still stunned that that could even happen. It was twenty-eight to three, with three minutes left in the third quarter. It's like the numbers just don't add up, and so and so it's definitely both things at play here. Um, just a few a few facts about the strangeness of this game before we talk a little more about how the Falcons collapsed there. Um, just a you know this game felt like it was being dominated by the Falcons for almost three full quarters. At least three and at least two and a half quarters. This was being the the game was dominated by Atlanta, and if you look at the total numbers here for first downs, the Patriots had thirty seven to Atlanta's seventeen. Twenty more first downs than Atlanta did. Five hundred forty six yards to three hundred forty four yards. Two hundred two more yards than Atlanta did. Forty minutes to twenty three time of possession. And this one's the most shocking to me. And I and I think the reason that Atlanta lost the game. I mean, not that it was necessarily their fault the way it transpired this way, but offensive snaps. It was Patriots 93 and Atlanta 46. 93 plays to 46 plays. Yeah, if you give an offense 93 plays, they should be able to score more points than yeah. the opponent, no and, matter how, no yeah, matter who it is. Yeah, exactly. And in a really strange way, it's almost like, and I said this going into halftime, it's almost like the Patriots had like a 10-minute drive, 
and then threw a pick six. Yep. And Atlanta goes up twenty-one nothing. And there's no way you can chalk that up as being good for the Patriots. I mean, no, obviously yeah. it's a pick six, but but the end result of that was that starting the second half, the Atlanta offense hadn't been on the field for an hour and eight minutes of real time. Yeah. One hour and eight minutes. And you look at that and you're like, oh, like that's weird. Like maybe they're a little cold, but that, yeah. And it wasn't, you, you yeah. put that stat in the back of your head. Yeah. Until the Patriots score thirty-one straight <laughs> points, and the offense. Of the Falcons, the yeah. most prolific offense in the NFL, yeah. scores zero. Yeah, and, and so the Falcons did. So, so that first drive of the second half, they were cold. It was like, wow, they haven't been on the field in a while. They did score a touchdown on their next drive, and yeah. so that made it twenty-eight-three. And it was like, okay, even I at that point was like, all right, Falcons offense isn't cold. <laughs> like they just they just marched down the field, scored a touchdown. But the more pr- critical thing is that the Falcons defense is gassed. You, you played ninety-three defensive plays, and you are not getting to the quarterback by the ninety-third play. I'm sorry, it's it's not going to happen with any team. No matter how well conditioned you are, I don't think, especially in the Super Bowl, with longer delays, longer halftime, you know, you're you're out there longer. Your adrenaline's been running for longer. It's you know, by the 93rd play of a game, you're going to be tired on defense. And so, in a really strange way, I think that's the reason the Falcons lost. Um, but there's obviously other reasons. So I think we can move on to their play calling. Yeah. So I know you have this, thoughts on it. So I walked in. So we we watched the Super Bowl in different places, and I the first thing I said when I walked in is. This was an epic collapse by the Falcons. Um, now that I've had time to digest it, it obviously was a bit of both. But I still, I still claim that the Falcons could have had at least two chances to win this ball, this Super Bowl by taking a knee in in the middle of the game, not just by running the ball, not just by not fumbling the ball. You could have taken a knee and most likely won the Super Bowl with X amount of minutes left. So um, I have a list. There's a um, an article that I read that the the Falcons ran the ball. Up once they were up twenty-eight to twelve with nine minutes and forty seconds left to play in the Super Bowl, they ran the ball four times. They ran the ball four times, um, with eight minutes and thirty seconds left in the uh, third quarter. Fourth to third. And the, with the third quarter, third the, quarter. the Pats scored on every one of their remaining possessions, every single one. So, I mean, I get the defense is gassed, but when that when Julio Jones makes that amazing catch. Mm-hmm. That almost should seal the game. I think there was um, that was in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They they were up they were up twenty eight yep. twelve at that point or, yep. or uh, twenty eight twenty twenty but, but yeah but that put them into field goal range. Put them into field goal range for a thirty two yard field goal mm-hmm. with Matt Bryant, who has been one of the most consistent kickers mm-hmm. this year. One of who can kick probably one of the furthest field goals this year, um, and that's hard to find because even Gostowski missed. Yeah, next point. Sucks so, now, so yeah, he sucks. <laughs> he needs to be cut. Yeah, uh, but Matt Bryant, excellent kicker. So. They run the ball, get stuffed. Instead of just running the ball or even taking a knee, this is that moment that you mm-hmm. could take a knee. So this is the only, I agree, this is the only time I will say that taking a knee maybe is okay. Okay. I, so, I will say, yeah, go ahead. Anyway, they have, with how much time left? Like probably. Uh, there was like five, there was a little under five minutes. Five so minutes. The, the logic there is that either you're going to force the Pats to use their timeouts and there's still going to be like four minutes left, but yes. they'll be but they'll be down by 11 if you cook a field goal yes. and they'll have no timeouts. Or they don't use their timeouts, and there's like maybe three minutes left at that point, and they're down by eleven. Yes. So, so the down that's by assuming that you stay there and you kick the field goal. The down by eleven p- part is the most is important the most, part. Yeah, by far. <laughs> so you run the ball three times, kick a thirty, maybe lose two yards, kick a thirty-four yard field Four, goal. Well, so that's the thing. It's a forty-one yard field goal at the time they, that Julio Jones makes that catch. They're at the twenty-three yard line, so it's a forty-one yarder. So it's a, it's. I heard it was a thirty-two yarder. Uh, so I'm po- they were at the twenty-three because the thirty-two yarder you need to be at the fifteen yard line to, k- to kick a thirty-two yarder. So. Um, they were at the 23-yard line, so it would have been a 41-yard field goal. Okay, still, um, which is still uh, very totally, easily totally doable. makeable. Yes. Totally makeable. Then they decide to pass the ball 
Matt Ryan gets sacked. That, that it wasn't a play where you have to, A, design a play where he can get rid of it. B, don't design a pass play. Mm-hmm. Design a run play. Um, so they do a pass play where he has to drop back, has nowhere to go, gets sacked for X amount of yards, makes it a 52-yard field goal, I think it was. They, they lose 11 yeah, yards. once the sack, yeah. Still a hittable field goal. Not, not an easy field goal by any means, but you still give yourself a chance to make it a two-score game. Mm-hmm. Then they commit a holding penalty which which is and they have to pass obviously because they're they're down so they have to do another passing play which they haven't been doing well in the second quarter second half um holding play now they're out of field range have to punt it the patriots now it's still a one score game and patriots all their all, and all their timeouts and all your timeouts it, or it, two, it, two timeouts it was timeouts. incredible um and the last point i'll say about that is on the strip sack mm-hmm. the strip sack was on a third and one mm-hmm. so that's way earlier in the game it, it's early on in the fourth quarter you're, I think they're up by two touchdowns at that point. It was 28-12. Yeah. yeah. So just don't just run the ball and just punt Just run the ball it. and yeah. punt it yeah. or run the ball and get the first down mm-hmm. and kill. E- even if you don't get that first down, you still take off another 45 seconds. Yeah, right. Unless, and make them march further. And make them further. march yeah. further. Exactly. So you're probably eating up another s- six minutes mm-hmm. of the clock just by that sequence. Instead, you fumble the ball, they score in five plays. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. It. it the play calling in the second half was some of the worst play calling on the Falcons I've ever seen in my life. So, so, um, I will start by saying I agree. I, I, I mean, overall all, don't like all, the Falcons' play calling. All credit to in the second half. The, Pat, the Pats. They did oh, yeah. every no, yeah. single thing yeah. they needed to do yeah, in yeah. that game. And, and, and but the Falcons also did every yeah, single and, thing that they needed to do for the Pats. To win yeah, that game. and for and for full disclosure, I a agree that the Falcons' play calling was not good, and b don't consider these critiques of the Falcons play calling to be like a jab at the Patriots at all. Okay. So that's not where any of yeah. my analysis is coming from. Good, good. Um, I do think, so again, like making it clear that I think that the Falcons should have obviously run the ball more than five times after going up 28 to three, five yeah. rushing attempts. That's well, obviously not right. It, 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 they have two of the best running backs in the league. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And so the, I will say the numbers were a little deceiving on how well they were running the ball because they had a couple big runs. Yeah, so that's fair. They, they, you know, they, it wasn't like they were gashing them every play. But, but, but if you were just watching the game casually, you could see the particularly Freeman, De- Devontae Freeman right place could kind of do what he wanted, or yeah. at least like he could he could get one yard if he yeah. needed to get one yard. Yeah, certainly. So I, I will say um, the instances that you brought up are are totally totally you know one hundred percent agree. Third and one. Uh, when the strip sack happens, the only thing you can't do at that in that at that point is have them have a huge momentous play. I, I mean, so yeah, exactly. You know, I do say that on one hand. On the other hand, I do again without knowing exactly how things will transpire. I do know that the criticism would be even worse if the Falcons had run the ball twenty times and blown a twenty-eight to three lead. Because so so I do know that. Now, That's granted, true. it might not have they might not have actually collapsed if they done that. That's the whole point of the argument. But I will say the criticism would be way worse had they actually gone into a shell. I agree that that is that is one of the biggest criticisms is you you stop playing your game. Mm-hmm. But it, it, this was not that because they yeah. definitely had this game in the bag. Mm-hmm. Like no no joke. And yeah. then that's not that's, that's not an well, insult. Like yeah. people left the stadium at the Super Bowl yeah. because that should be the Arthur end Blank of, came down to the field. Yeah, so the owner came down to the field. Like which you I have because, to think you never do because so at that sure. at that point you had enough points you could do the math probably in your head and count it out that. You could run the ball yeah. four and out each yeah. time, make them do a long drive, and probably still win the game. Yeah. And if worse comes to worst, then you should start throwing the football. Yeah. But it, by that time, it was too late. They and just, so, and so that's why. So, so for me, um, I I personally put more of the blame 
on their play calling early that allowed that. So for me, if, if I'm picking between the ones you just said, I think the third and one strip sack was the most egregious error out of I all think of them. So, too. so because I understand that once you get into field goal range, you're there, you know, but at the same time, I, I have a, I have a, I have trouble really saying that because, you know, the play that got them into field goal range was after they ran the ball on first down, lost a yard. And, you know, a lot of fans are probably saying, just keep running the ball, punt, run the ball and punt it down and, and pin them deep and make them make a two minute drive, you know, at that point in time when you're down 28, 20 and the play they call after losing a yard on first town is the most freaking dangerous pass I've ever seen with the most ridiculous catch I've ever seen. Um, yeah. including the Edelman catch. I mean, this the Edelman catch was different stakes and everything, and that's yeah. why everyone's talking about it. But the Julio Jones catch on the sideline and the throw by Matt Ryan, which is an inch higher than it, than it can be if it gets picked off. Yeah. Well, let's do this you then. Know? Let's let's compare those two catches because, I mean, we've talked the crap out of the Super Bowl. Let's mm-hmm. let's pick apart some, some key moments. But mm-hmm. uh, that catch, Edelman versus Julio Jones, what's the better catch? I mean, the better... It's tough. I, I think the better it, catch, like as a receiver, was the Julio Jones catch. I mean, the mo. So if you if you include the moment, yeah, the stakes included. It, the stakes included. It had the potential to be the Julio Jones catch. Also, that's probably the Julio true. Jones yeah. catch was about to be the next one in a series of catches against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I mean, there's one in every Super Bowl that the Patriots have yeah. played. The crazy thing is, there's a series of them, but that one wasn't luck. The, that no, no, yeah, that mo- one was. A few of most you, of them have been luck. Most of know? them at least look lucky. This yeah. was the most athletic catch. Yeah. And most, yeah, it was it was the most picturesque. This person's in the NFL to be a receiver for that for that yeah. moment. Yeah, I've ever seen in my life. That, I mean, so I, I the one one way you can put it is that like that catch, like so three weeks ago, people were saying that Julio Jones wasn't as good as Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham. There was people, so there were people on that. That believe it or not, people were on that stance three weeks ago. I mean, it's not that that catch singularly did it, but that catch eliminated any doubt about who the best receiver in the league is so if you want to put it that way that catch is better because nobody has any different thoughts about Edelman as a receiver because of his catch it it was I mean the stakes included and the absurdity of the catch was was higher but not because it was like a more it was it was a more shocking play it wasn't a uh, wasn't a more impressive I mean it was still a really impressive catch but it was I I don't want to sell it short but I I think the Julio Jones catch itself was a better catch the fact that he there was a person just barely missing the ball. I mean, it was a great <laughs> yeah. throw, too. Yeah, great, the throw but, is a, yeah. But just barely missing the ball. He catches it cleanly, two hands, gets his feet in somehow, like swings his feet down to the ground, and then as he's going down, turns his body so that you don't even have to question if it's a yeah, cradle just catch. Like, yeah. He just, it, you just look at his feet. They took one replay. He's like, wow, he got both feet in. Yeah, it and, wasn't even like, a, oh, how close is this? Like, did he possess it? Yeah. It was like, he doesn't even leave any doubt. It was like, it's this like, is a great catch. He like stomp, <laughs> he's like stomped his toe on the ground, like somehow. It's like, that That was just, yeah, that was a, that was a, again, and that does go back to, you know, that that felt like a dagger because it's like they're in field goal range now. Um, and so, you know, that does play in, and certainly, I'm not. I wouldn't make the argument that I would have passed the ball because I would have kept running the ball at, yeah. that, at that point. Yeah. But I, I do. The only reason I just hesitate is because of the fact that the way they were calling those plays is what got them there in the first place. And I think there is a reasonable argument that had they run the ball three times into the line after Julio made that play, 
and then missed a field goal. Again, this oh, is yeah, just like sure. you know, saying that it's there's plenty. You know, there be people out there saying, "Why'd you take your foot off the gas?" You targeted Julio in this game four times. They targeted him four times. Four times. He had four catches for 87 yards. Now I know he got doubled for a lot of the game, but you got to find a way you to have free to cre- him up. Like give him like a, a screen pass. Like get yeah. him the ball. Yeah, exactly. He's your he, best player by far. He's a monster. So, um, so yeah. So that's that's that. I mean, uh, we've want to hear another good analysis. Uh, yeah, want to hear another fun stat. Yeah. Uh, this Super Bowl of all five was the largest margin of victory I saw for that. the Pats. I saw that. It was a touchdown because every other one has come. Well, not everyone has come down to a field goal, but everyone's been four points or less. Yeah. Um, so and it's yeah, crazy because it was overtime. Yeah. Like, it's probably the closest. Solo, probably yeah, the closest. Closest one, one of all of them <laughs> went to overtime, but it was the largest margin of victory. Um, all right. Well, we'll skim past that, but two more topics we got to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start with this. Is um, this overtime game? I think in the rest of the world's opinion, not not just because it's the Pats, but this was an example of how the overtime can fail the NFL, mm-hmm. where we have this unbelievable game. One team played great one half, one team played great another half, mm-hmm. and now it's like, okay, who's going to win? And it just happens to be the, the team who has the momentum and yeah. wins the coin flip. Mm-hmm. So, it, it to yeah, they're, they're, that those are the rules. Like they yeah. should they should win the game. Obviously, the the defense was gassed. There's nothing they could do. Yeah, but. That would have been almost the perfect time for the college, college rule yeah. playoff. Yeah. To have both offenses just have Don't. Julio Jones at the twenty yard line yeah. with a with an offense that couldn't do anything and watch him just try to get it to him twice yeah. or three times <laughs> and the pass just gunning down the field. Like it, mm-hmm. it would have been a spectacular overtime. In, instead we get a very good a well organized a, a well a well but, done drive but to be honest exactly what everyone knew was going to happen as soon as they won the toss when when they won the toss everyone said wow yeah i I mean given the way that the last quarter had the fourth quarter had transpired the patriots win the toss you know they're winning the the, game the patriots would have still won the game most likely in that scenario yeah but the falcons were toast yeah so i mean toast after they won that there's there's no way that the Falcons are like yeah. we're winning this football yeah. game. So I, I was going to say that, and I'm obviously biased. I actually, I actually did going into that, going into the overtime. I actually felt good either way. I mean, obviously you want to win the coin toss, but the Falcons had certainly cooled off, not just because of their play calling. I mean, like they'd cooled off considerably from what they were doing earlier in the game. So I did feel confident either way. But it's like, you know, after scoring going into that point in time, 25 unanswered points. You know that when you win that toss, the game's over. I mean, every everyone and their mother knew that they're like. I have to assume Atlanta fans knew at that point, after the way the last four drives had gone, that they weren't going to win that game as soon as they lost the toss. So, I do agree. I think that that would. I mean, that would have been. Can you imagine if that was college overtime? How much like how much better? J- just like, just entertainment value. How much better that would have been had this been college overtime to let these two offenses each it get their cracks. It would have been incredible. And then that, that's the thing. Like, it it sounds like sour grapes from a non-Pats fan, but. You gotta get the best NF, the best offense in the NFL this year. Like the the most dominant offense with the best weapons, they have to touch the ball. Yeah, and they have to get a chance to touch the ball in overtime. Yeah, and I understand the rule. Like the 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 Pats deserve it because they went down and scored. Yeah. They didn't kick a field goal. The yeah. defense didn't stop them. But how do you not? How is that a rule built in where the NFL's best product right yeah. now? The the best product, both sides, the the Pats defense and the yeah. and the yeah. um. Falcons offense don't get to see the field. Yeah, in overtime. it's true. It's true. And, and I think um, you know, I, w- I would if I were them, I would consider even you look at other sports, right? Like I guess eh, I guess it's really just hockey that I'm thinking of. But you know, hockey has rules in the regular season that make 
that give you really short overtime. Hockey's like we're not we're not going to sit around here and play overtime for hours, you know, um, in a regular season game because it's we're not doing that. In the playoffs, they do. In the playoffs, they'll they'll play six overtimes if yeah. they have to. Um, I, if I were the NFL, I would strongly consider changing the playoff overtime rules, if not the regular season overtime rules. I can understand with the NFL's, you know, it's all about money, their TV schedules, with the players' health, the players complaining about playing more. I can totally understand not going to a college overtime as the default overtime. I, that's I, fair, I understand yeah. it, even though even if I don't agree with it, I understand. I mean, it. they change the playoff. They change yeah. the rules for the playoffs. Yeah. They can change them for yeah, exactly the playoffs again. Right, and so for me. I would like to see them change the playoff overtime rules to, to match the college rules because you're right. When you get nobody's really nobody's really that upset about a regular season game, somebody winning the toss scoring touchdown. You're like, yeah, they should win. Like yeah, the, the, they reg, score, regular yeah. season, your thought process is totally different. It's like these teams are tied. They both deserve to win. They both deserve to lose. I still think Let's that the college toss. overtime would would be better I, in all scenarios. I, I but, agree too. But I get the arguments against yeah. it in the regular season. But so the, if that's yeah. what it has to be, that's fine. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And so I would go to college for both because I don't think it's I don't think it leads to four five hour games. It, no. it usually doesn't. I mean, you make them go for two, starting with the third overtime, and it's a very especially with how bad kickers are now. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. That's true. They'd probably go for two anyway at yeah. the beginning, or just make them go for two every time. You know, like like th- th- there are quicker ways you can solve that. Um, make it make it so you can't kick a field goal. You're not allowed to kick a field goal. You got to get a touchdown or you don't. That'd, then, be, in, you that'd know, be that'd be so interesting. Like, but the college the college for, uh, structure of overtime would be beneficial, I think. So that's just a side note, I guess. Um, and couple, the la- last piece. Yep. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, to touch on, um, actually, let's do this. Favorite commercial. So I was going to ask you first. So so I can never pay attention to commercials. When I've my got teams mine. In the game. That's true. That's true. Um, you have an excuse. But, but my but my Offhand, I had two, so I'll let you go first, because I'll and I'll say. Okay, if, so if I you think the commercials were pretty underwhelming. I thought so too. There weren't any incredible ones. There were a lot of, and I tweeted this, or I, I retweeted someone who tweeted this, um, but it was incredible that whenever you saw a commercial with American values and and yeah. like <laughs> yeah. immigration and diversity. You were like, wow, what an insult to our president. Yeah, which it's, is you don't which even is have to say his name. You, you don't, don't even have to say do his name. You just a commercial with. A diverse community in, in immigration and American values, and you're like, wow, what an insult to our president. That's a weird time to uh, be yeah. living in. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of those, by the way. Yeah. A ton of those. Yeah. Um, but my favorite by far was the Cam, the Buick commercial. Yes. If that's a if that's a Buick, my son's Cam Newton. Yeah. And then he turned. Then Cam Newton runs on the field <laughs> with a bunch of Pee Wee football players pushing him over. Yeah. I think that part could have even been longer. Yeah. Like just have Cam Newton Do shoving over yeah. little kids for about thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. That would have been great. Yeah. Um, that's the only one that stands out in my mind as, as being very funny and, and memorable. Yeah. So, th- so that was one of my two, uh, my, the other one that I thought was cool was the, was the yearbook one. Um, the Honda CRV with the yearbook yeah, pictures that, that we're good. talking. It wasn't like really that funny at all, but it, I thought it was cool. Um, I was like, you know, just, just the way that the, the, the yearbook pictures were animated, I thought was kind of cool cause they were clearly all their old pictures. So I thought it was like kind of cool CGI to be able to do that in that commercial. Um, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's an excuse, but I, <laughs> I, I was way too, I was too stressed you to be rattled. able to pay attention to commercials. I was rattled, and then I was mad, and then I was, then I was too anxious, and that you know, I just, yeah. I couldn't pay attention to them very much. Um, but I did pay attention to the halftime show. And Lady Gaga is back. Wow! Or if she ever was gone, I don't even know. If she's she was no, gone. she was gone. Now okay. she's back. <laughs> yeah. Um, great performance. Uh, very. T- I mean, she's. I, that was unbelievable. People know she's talented. She but, freaking blew the roof yeah, off the place. I know. That was amazing. And it's also it's it's for me it's so reassuring to 
to see a performance where I'm like, you're definitely not lip syncing. I'm like, I, I really? know. Yeah. I thought she was. You thought she was? Well, I thought I she definitely I was. I don't, I'm not an expert in no, I'm not an expert syncing. either. But I, I mean, so I guess just a few like small I just, things. For I just me assume they all are. Like, no. So, well, yeah, exactly. That, I guess I assume they usually are too. And for some, whatever I was watching, whatever, whatever my brain saw, like, I, I don't know why I see it. Like it's, I'm not an expert in musical performances, but um, to me, it struck me that she was definitely not, and that was that's why it was more impressive because I felt like she sung extremely well and was very talented. Yeah. So she played all the hits. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she played the right songs. She didn't have a she didn't have a special guest come up, which people were expecting. No, I hate when but, they do but that. I'm glad, I actually yeah, hate when yeah, they do that. Ex- yeah, me too. I'm very happy that it was just her. Yeah, me too. Because um, it because Bru- it's pe- always Bruno Mars. People, yeah, and people thought it was gonna be Beyonce. Like, no. no, it's not going to be Beyonce. She's pregnant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so that was uh, that yeah, was, was a great performance. I was very happy with Lady Gaga. I mean, it was those like eighth grade dance yeah. bangers yeah. that yeah. Th- like those that you can't get Just enough dance, of. Yeah. Just dance. Um, yeah. Bad romance. Uh, poker face. Just yeah. the best. The old school, like the first party jams. Yeah. Like that, fir- to... that first wave of like girly pop party jams. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And yeah. it, it was like a throwback. She didn't play many of her new songs. She, exactly. She didn't try to force new songs on it. Because there was some she didn't cool. Um, apparently, I read that the intro was recorded. Her up top. Yeah. With it, the. But with drones. With the drones. So and I, stuff. I thought that was a green screen. I'm, I'm extremely impressed if they actually. It I was, figured it was CGI. Well, it, yeah, was it was drones, probably, but it was pre recorded. Yeah. Right. So right. it was. I mean, so so she was dangling fact, that whole in time. In fact, I think yeah, before yeah, right, she right, jumped, right. Yeah. And so I think it was obviously. So for me, I actually do think it was still a green screen they used, but net, but I've heard a lot about the drones. So they probably recorded the drones, like like the drones was the actual sky recorded. Yeah. For I mean, me, it I, didn't look real. It didn't it, look real at all, yeah. and that's why I think it was a green screen. But they still might have actually done the recording with those drones they were talking about, mm. because at the same time, if it was CGI, I think it would have been a cleaner like arrangement of those lights like you know the, the lights kind of formed a flag but like if it was cgi it would have been like a much better looking flag i think yeah um so but either way it was kind of cool yeah. it was interesting so a, a plus on the halftime show mm-hmm. uh i think they should do stuff like that all the time like a throwback yeah. like someone who was really good yeah about five years ago and yeah. just still Bring got it, it. yeah, yeah. Exactly. That, that was a very good pick and i, yeah. I very lady gaga she's a queen mm-hmm. for sure um and the last so my last piece about the Super Bowl is is where do the Pats go from here? Right, because they've they've topped the mountain. Belichick's the best coach. Brady's the best quarterback. There's no denying them anymore. Where do you go from here? And I found it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I found the last milestone for Belichick. This is the biggest one. Yeah, That's, it's like the level boss. This is it. So the this game, is the, the game, last level. Boss. This is the last piece of the puzzle, or or their legacy is not Complete. set in stone. Yeah. The only city. That Bill Belichick has not won a, f- a professional football game in Tampa Bay. <laughs> He's never won in Raymond wow. James Stadium. Wow! Yeah. That so is... they they beat they beat the Pats in two or uh, the Buck the Pats beat the Bucks in 2013 in Gillette. In Gillette. We went to that game. Yep. Got blown out in 2009. Was the only other time they played wow. in London. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So the Bucks lost in London. And then they. I mean, I'm, I imagine they must have played in like oh, oh, I guess they didn't. Like oh, one would have been or pre or two thousand or something. Like probably and they probably lost. They, yeah, they, yeah. Or, or, or yeah. it was at Gillette. Or, or, like yeah. Right. Either way, the only right. city Belichick's never wow. won in Tampa wow. Bay. Wow. So and and they play in they Pats play at the Bucks this year. Yeah. yeah, this upcoming year. This is it. This, this is, is the is final it. piece. Defend the Bay. Yeah. I say we make this a big, well-known <laughs> thing, 
They and need, this is they, like they need this piece. This is like a second Super Bowl. Yeah, and if they don't get it this year, it's like another eight years before you go back to Tampa. If they don't get it, Tampa will be the only. It's like I'm trying to think of a, a, a famous war where one city just <laughs> never gave up and they just went past it. They just, you know what? We'll just continue on. Yeah, that, that's what you it would be. Just couldn't take one castle that's, and you just kept going. That's what it would be. That's what it would be if. Yeah, if so they that's can't that's what I'm hanging. This is my a big one. This, this is a big, big one. It's a big game. Do you know when in the year it is, or I guess the schedule's not. Uh, out I don't yet, think the schedule's yet. out yet, but it, it it's yeah, definitely they, Pat's they, at Bucks. Yeah, because there's a rotation. I know that the. I hope the, it's they, in like play the, that division, one so. of the first few games. Just like dead heat. Yeah, Brady can't. That would hang. be the, that would be the t- that's when the Patriots struggle the most. Actually, yeah. they've played in Miami in dead heat and they've lost. Um. So that's yeah. That that's that's the final piece of the puzzle. Are you going to the parade today? I'm not. No, I took yesterday I'm off. You're going. I'm going. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not like taking off. I'm just yeah, going to go yeah, yeah. celebrate the Bucks. And the my Super office Bowl. is a little too far from the parade, so uh, yeah. Unless unless my office makes it a well-known thing that you can just go, um, I'm not planning to go because I took yesterday off. So I'm going to work today. So that's it. Um, we have nothing else on the Super Bowl. I'll ask Derek one question: mm-hmm. uh, Is this the best one? Um. Uh, probably. Yeah. It probably is. Um. Because of the fashion of the comeback, uh, you know, it, it's probably it's the most memorable in a way because of that. When again, when I just look at the number, it's like I, I I'm almost still in shock. It was twenty eight to three. Like like I, I, it takes a lot for me to basically lose hope. Like like you know, twenty one three at halftime. I was the only person in the room saying like I'm not worried yet. Like like the, the Falcons defense was gassed. Like I was like we can do this. You know, th- two drives later, yeah, I saw that. Um, Brady declared today a holiday, so that's cool. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, so you know, at halftime, I'm like defense is gas, we got this. But then Patriots, and, and then then Patriots force a three and out. I'm like, we got this. Then the Patriots go three and out, and the Falcons score a touchdown. It's twenty eight to three, and I'm like, you know, it's at that point, it's real tough for me to keep being hopeful. Like real yeah, tough. And, it's and, a, and I am it's game usually, over scenario. And I am always optimistic and always hopeful. Um, so in that regard, just, just with the shock factor of it, it was the most memorable. And then the, the other part of it is that it was, it was the one that sort of put Brady and Belichick over. Like there was always things you could hold against them. And actually, I don't want to get into this cause we're, we're running against it. But it, one really interesting thing that I had, you know, that somebody brought up was like how different the narrative is if the Patriots lose this game, the way they, the way it was going, yeah, like if they get blown out, really four and three, then four and three. And it's like, it's still obviously, you know, yeah. unheard of success, but, seven, yeah, but, you, but then people will point to like, okay, you won your first three and then you lost to the giants, lost to the giants, relied on the last second pick <laughs> and then like got blown out to the Falcons. You know, the yeah. narrative is totally different. Yeah. Um. So, so for all those reasons combined, I would say it is the best one. But I mean, you know, the, yeah, they're all great. I don't know. Mm, but I'll, I'll they're pick, not all great. I'll, I'll pick. I'll say it's the best one. Right. So, well, that's it for the Super Bowl. I'm done talking about it. Yeah. So now it's just 2017 NFL football season, baseball preseason. Can't wait. <laughs> um, so that brings us to the third period uh, for the last few minutes, which is pop culture. We got two movie reviews that two we've watched movie reviews. in the last two weeks because we had a little bit of a hiatus. Um, we didn't even mention that we were, we didn't record last week. We didn't. Yeah, in yeah. case you were wondering, because because there was a Celtics game on Monday and you were in New York. Yeah. Oh, you were in New York starting Monday and and I couldn't do it remotely because we were as at the Celtics game. Yeah. and It just didn't work. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so yeah, we'll there start you. we'll start with the first movie. Um, we're gonna blow through these. They're not crazy great movies, but uh, the arrival, the the movie yeah. with, um, Jeremy Renner and uh, what's that person's name? Amy Adams. No, um, McAdams. Um, Rachel McAdams. Uh, no, it was Amy Adams. Amy Wait, Adams. Yeah, Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Uh, so Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner, um, it was an alien movie. There's a big circular blob that lands in a bunch of cities around the world. Um, these two scientists are chosen. 
one is a physical scientist and one's a linguist mm-hmm. so they can try to talk to the um aliens yeah. that's that's amy adams it was an interesting concept i enjoy the concept of it so the the bulk of the movie is humans trying to learn to speak with the aliens like if in this scenario we have different languages how do we learn each other's language um and it, it's this very interesting process they they use people, they use signatures, so they use circles to talk, and we use letters and words, um, and so we start learning their language, they start learning ours, and we start to barely go back and forth, and we start misinterpreting yeah. certain things that they say as, like, dangerous, Right. Um, and then it takes a weird turn. I'll let you, before I describe the weird turn, I'll let you talk about the idea. Yeah. Maybe. So the idea is cool, and the idea kept my attention the whole time. You know, it's like, it's like oh, they're piecing together what this language is. You know, these aliens are communicating to them. It's kind of cool. It's, like, very, very mysterious. Like, you don't see the aliens. They're behind this this veil this veil of, like, a smoky wall type of, like, the glass. And, like, you can't really make them out at all until they, a couple times when they get really close to the glass and, like, put their, like, tentacles up to it or something. Like, you know, so there's, it, it's, it's mysterious. It's intriguing. Um, I will say it's sort of, like, it's one of those movies you get to the end and you're, like, like how many different things really happened. It was kind of, like, you were working at the same thing the whole movie mm-hmm. and so so i mean i thought it was good um i it, thought it was an it has a yeah. quote unquote twist the twist is just kind of hard to understand it's when they very, explain it yeah and then it's over and then you can piece it back together but it's almost not worth it yeah because so that's not what the movie was about <laughs> yeah exactly and so that's why and so i like when stuff like that happens but i it wasn't like perfectly executed i don't think it wasn't there wasn't enough that that got pieced together to, to really change everything you know it was kind of just yeah. like okay that makes sense you it know? was it was great acting yeah it was um who else was in it Forrest Whitaker was in it yeah um the special effects were great the idea was great the, it just had two it was two different movies for like 75 percent of the time it was one interesting concept about this language and l- trying to learn each other's language with no with with no starting point yeah the Last twenty five percent is this like sci fi I mean it's all sci fi, but this very warped like space time sci fi concept and yep. it's hard to wrap your brain around. Kinda like Interstellar. It's kinda like Interstellar yeah. where you get yeah, it. True. You get the whole movie, it makes a lot of sense, and then at the end you learn something about like space time and your brain has to try to comprehend <laughs> it. Yeah, comprehend that. Retroactively yeah. to what all Exa- and, and apply that to the entire movie and it's just hard to do. Yeah. It just it's just too you're almost just like, oh well, that's I'm not gonna do that. The movie yeah. was good. That's what, you, and then you turn your brain off. Yeah. So that's what this movie is. If you like sci-fi, if you liked Interstellar, you'll like this movie a lot. It's not as good, but it's yeah the same exact type of well, movie. It's the same like yeah, the, it's not it's the same like structure of movie with like kind of like like what you just described as being like about you know about something for the most part and then having a similar type of shift at the end of the movie it's not like interstellar and that it's not like a space movie yeah it's really, not a space but, movie but but, um, it's an but, alien but movie. yeah from it's like movie structure you know it's it is pretty similar so uh so what do you give it i'm gonna give it 69 percent steve nicholas avocados nice not certified guac yeah <laughs> all right so yeah just not certified guac i'm gonna give it 74 uh not certified patai colada good movie uh a little higher than you gave it, but not um, not singing its praises as being something you need to watch. But it's, I would say, yeah. 
you're looking for a, something to watch, I, I wouldn't a, I wouldn't advise you not to. Yeah, it's a good if you're looking just for for an intellectual, well acted, well produced movie. It's good. It's good, but it's, it's not a little gonna, longer than it needed to be. Correct. It's two hours long. It could have been an hour and a half with the way. Like I said, not a ton of different things happen. It's yeah. kind of they're chipping away at the same thing. All right, now the coup de gras, the, the movie we we loved, or at least I loved, mm-hmm. um, Hell or High Water. Yeah. So um, it's Jeff Bridges, and who's that actor? Um, well, Je- there's Jeff Bridges, there's Chris Pine is one of Chris the two Pine, main guys, and, and then, then uh, Ben Foster, I believe. Yes. So, so Chris Pine and Ben Foster are brothers. Two- yes, and... Um, Jeff Bridges is the sheriff. So the right. the basic description of this movie is it's a western. It's a western bank robbery movie. Mm-hmm. The story is very limited. It revolves around exactly one thing, which is these two brothers robbing banks <laughs> and Jeff Bridges trying to find them. Yeah. That being said, the movie is very well done. The characters are very well developed mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. The acting is superb and it, it it is another interesting concept. It's just like a story. It's not it's not like Interstellar. It's not like uh, the Arrival where you're getting these questions about space time yeah. and you have to overly think things. It's just a story. They school. they tell you beginning yeah. to end. This is boom 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 boom. Movie's done. Um, that being said, it was a very good movie. Like I said, well acted. The ending is good. I didn't feel the I didn't feel like I was cheated at the end. It was just a good, well rounded ending. Um, overall, just a very good Western movie and. Jeff Bridges is one of the best actors I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree completely. Jeff Bridges was great. Um, yeah, you if, know, if you like Jeff Bridges, if you liked, um, what's that movie that everyone loves? Uh, uh, Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. Yeah. He's not that character, but he's got that same he's, feel. Yeah, just like very dry, very like, come on, what man? Yeah, like all, just, all the laughs in the movie come from Jeff Bridges. Exactly. He's okay. a very, he's a yeah. very good at making you see like seeming like a, a regular person. Yeah. And that's what he seems like. Right. Yeah. And, and so he has these, you know, there's investigations. I get the diner, a diner across the street from a bank robbery and things like that. And just his encounters with all the people, like at one point they go to investigate the bank robbery and, you know, there's a banker walking by in the background that he needs to ask for the security tapes. And he's just like talking to his partner, and then the banker walks by, and he goes, "Oh, he looks like he could foreclose on a home." And <laughs> yeah. He walks over, he goes, "Hey, Mr. Banker," like, yeah. like, and just like his the way he approaches all these all the conversations is very, very like old man and old man detective like yeah. fitting, you know. And it's just like, uh, you know, a lot of good laughs from him, and then you know it is otherwise also well acted. Chris Pine and Ben Foster were good as the two brothers. It's an interesting concept with like the juxtaposition of the two brothers. Yeah. One of them's like the good guy, one's the bad guy within the bad guy circle, you know, like they're, it's like one of them, Chris Pine is the bad guy who's like, why is he a bad guy, you know, type yep. of thing. And Ben Foster's the bad guy who's got a history and it's like, you know, got a bad yeah. record and everything. So uh, it's interesting. It's yeah, It's got some emotions in it, which is it good. Does, it's, yeah. It it's, wasn't too long. How long was it? Uh, a little, let, me, let me check Like that. an hour and 45 minutes. Either way, it was very well, the character's well, very well developed. Like Derek said, there's, there's a lot of different personalities going against each other and you really start to like the brothers and you start to like Jeff Bridges and his partner uh, and it's really I don't know it's, it's just a well-rounded movie yeah. fun to watch easy to watch um, Hell or High Water I like yeah. it a lot hour and 42 minutes so. hour, wow I said hour 45 yeah pretty, so, good guess. pretty close so uh, I'm gonna give this one and FYI uh, it got a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes not, yeah we, we saw that it was 98 89 split I think 98 Rotten Tomatoes and 89 audience so um, do you wanna you wanna go first second or do you wanna get you wanna give it I'm gonna go second all right so I'm going to give it 88 Dragon Fruits. Um, 
certified Bataya Colada. It's uh, high 80s, gets it there. Um, it was, uh, you know, I don't know what I would say was wrong with the movie to not get into the 90s. Maybe it's just like the, the, the that movie has a ceiling in the high 80s for me just because it was just, like you said, a standard, like, yeah. I, you know, I there's mean, nothing crazy about the movie. That's but, the reason. It doesn't change your outlook on anything. Yeah, it right. just it just is it ha- it's a story and yeah. it's told beginning to end and then it's over and it has no effect on your life but it's very <laughs> it well good. done yeah it's good yeah so yeah that's that's pretty much it for the exact same reason i'm giving it 88% <laughs> steve nicholas avocado certified guac all right um, check it out hell or high water it's very good pretty short movie you can watch it it's, it's a movie you could watch at any time it's a sunday yeah. movie it's yeah. a it's funny it's intense it's mm-hmm. smart it's clever it's just a good movie that's good so uh so that's it that's it for the third uh, third period. That's and it. And that's it for everything. So we're, we're going to the final drive. We're going to go first, second? I'm going to go second today, second. Derek. Okay, cool. So I'm going to go first. I'm going to piggyback on uh, basically what my Sunday went like. Obviously, as we talked about, a uh, very good Sunday for me. Mm-hmm. My team won the Super Bowl. Um, but there was another huge factor in Sunday that pushes it to my number one Sunday that I've had, at least in the sports perspective. Um, and that was what happened earlier in the day, which was the Boston Celtics hosted the Los Angeles Clippers in what was Paul Pierce's final game at the Garden. Um, I had pinpointed that game on the calendar a long time ago when he had said that he was retiring, uh, knew that it would be his final game here. To make the matters better, Doc Rivers is the Clippers coach, and he yeah. has a very good understanding of the fan base here and how much Paul Pierce is loved uh, in Boston. And so uh, Paul Pierce hasn't played in like a month and a half, but he started this game on Sunday. The fans went nuts, like, you know, and, and – Luckily, it was a it was a job very well done by the Celtics and the and the game event staff because everything was treated basically you know the entire thing was treated as though Paul Pierce was on the Celtics you know they they did the introductions for the Clippers and like you know the Celtics PA announcer when he's announcing either the pregame or when someone scores a basket if it's on the other team he's announcing it like he's at a funeral like that's kind of the way yeah. the Celtics PA announcer does it um, so you know they're announcing all the Clippers. Blake Griffin's like the fourth one to get introduced and everyone's booing him insanely loudly like just because I don't know just because he's polarizing and then like Paul, then like the camera shows Pierce and like everybody goes nuts and you know he introduces Pierce the same way that he would have like in Pierce's 15 years for the Celtics um, so everyone goes nuts there first possession Doc Rivers gets the ball to Pierce and he takes a shot so the place was about to go nuts but he misses it um, so you know entire game though fans are all chanting we want Paul like like constantly not he, he doesn't play anymore he doesn't play anymore and it's a close game so the Doc Rivers isn't putting Paul Pierce in but the Boston fans won't stop they're just chanting for him at every step like they start doing that defense chant where like Godzilla goes up there and it's like you've seen yeah. that before he does stomp stomp and you go yeah. defense and they everybody was just chanting Paul Pierce instead of defense <laughs> like it's just like non-stop throughout the game and so finally at the end of the game eight seconds or sorry eight point game with 20 seconds left Doc has decided that the game's out of reach he puts in Pierce. It was like an amazing ovation for him. And just in complete storybook fashion, he goes down the court and, the, you know, J.J. Reddick gives the ball to Pierce and he knocks down a deep three. Like, I don't know how Pierce pulls it out. He's been sitting on the bench all game. He sucks now. And he just drains a deep three. And it was just like storybook ending. It was the loudest eruption on a basket that I've seen at the Garden, including like Celtics playoff games. Cool. Um, just a really cool moment. Um, so, yeah, that set the stage for obviously we talked about the Super Bowl, but vaults up to my number one sports Sunday that I've or sports day I would say that I've experienced so far dang so, well with, that's with the two events that's gonna be hard to follow because that's like a, a very good story you could probably <laughs> give, <laughs> people go- give yeah. Boston fans goosebumps <laughs> um, but my final drive is um, you probably saw commercials for it again during the Super Bowl Daytona Day uh, so Daytona Day is February 26th it's a Sunday uh, it's 
obviously for the Daytona 500. They're pushing NASCAR, and I really appreciate the direction they're pushing NASCAR. They're, they're trying to make NASCAR similar to horse racing where you care about one race. You don't really care about the race. You just care about getting dressed up and drinking all day yeah. on a Sunday. So I'm very, very into Daytona Day. If you'd like to join, I would like to have a Daytona Day party. The only bad thing about Daytona Day is that it's in the winter. Yeah. So it's it's the it's it would be the most perfect holiday to be outdoors, like grilling and talking like a redneck and watching NASCAR. <laughs> but instead, it's in February. So people in the Northeast can't really like Embrace we're going to do yeah. sit on Sunday and get drunk. I'm not going <laughs> to watch the 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 race. Um, but either way, I, I really appreciate the the direction they're trying to push it. Just make it a day. Just call it Derby Day, Daytona Day. It's the same thing. Get dressed up. Just instead of getting dressed up like you would for a horse race, get dressed up the exact opposite. So just instead of really fancy, just really grungy and gross, <laughs> uh, which is probably easier. Yeah, so I think um, I'm trying to push this. This is the second year of me trying to push Daytona Day. We're going to do it. It's going to be a fun day. February 26th, if you'd like to join, it, we're going to get drunk and, and watch NASCAR. <laughs> we'll have it on in the background while we, while we get drunk. So All right. um, that's mine, Daytona Day. I, I You've already seen commercials for it. Not a big NASCAR fan, but... A fan of celebration. Yeah. So there you go. I agree. I think I think they should. You know, they, they, they should market it more. They obviously can't just move it to the summer, but like uh, they can if they want. They can. You know? They should. So um, even though obviously the Daytona 500 is one of the main, probably the main NASCAR race, and it's been at the same time of year every year. They shouldn't have picked change. Daytona. They should just have change. picked like um, Talladega Day. Yeah, Talladega Day. That would work. Yeah. Easy. Something like that. Either way, good good strategy to push it the same way that horse racing does because that's. They've accepted their place in in the sports world, and they're like, "We got one day." So yeah, let's, let's they're do it. they're not gonna get more NASCAR fans. Yeah, they just need right. to get more one day fans. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so that's that for episode fifty two of You Heard It Here Second. Anything else? Anything else you want to talk about? That's no. it. What a what a day. What a day. Great day. So going to the the uh, oh yeah parade today. So yeah. I'll, I'll take some photos and uh, let you know Steve's how Steve's going to the parade, and I'm not. So. <laughs> That's the way it goes. That's but, the uh, way the cookie crumbles. So that's that for episode 52 uh, of You Heard It Here Second, and we will be back next week for episode 53. Later days. Go Bucks.